City West Church last week. So oop, thank you for releasing me last week and allowing me to speak for our friends Mark and Kaz. Um, and I got to City West Church last week and uh, I said to Mark, I said, I'll go down to the back to the sound desk and I'll grab the mic. And he goes, oh, Andrew, it's broken. I go, you're joking. He goes, oh, it's been cutting in and out. He goes, you're going to have to use the handheld. I go, the handheld? I go, how do I, how do, I do that? I go, you're only going to get half a message if one of my hands are trapped. You know, <laughs> like I need both hands to speak. You know, it, it just works better. I figure, you know, this is a really bad joke and some of you will think, I can't believe you said that. You can't crucify someone with one arm, yeah? You need two. <laughs> and if I'm going to bring a message that's going to cut like a double-edged sword, I need to have both hands available. So they got half a message last week, but it was fun, just the same. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to go. Uh, Nathan and I had a ball. Nathan came with me. On the way there, we decided we'd wash our car because my car's been off the road for a month and it was filthy, filthy. So I took it through a car wash. I've never taken the Navara through a car wash. The Navara has a sunroof. That's correct. From the moment we got in there, this, this screen came down in front of us. So we're just sitting there waiting. There's cars waiting behind me. And it starts, you know, in pretty colours as, you know, the soap comes out and Nathan's loving it. And then Nathan goes, oh, oh, I go, what's wrong? He says, I'm getting wet. And I look up and from the corner of the sunroof, there's this patch that's growing across the roof. So I took Nathan through Macca's on the way there. And so all we had was three serviettes, seriously, three serviettes. So Nathan gets the serviettes and he's trying to hold it up there. And meanwhile, it starts dripping down my back. You know? So this is, I can't get out. I am trapped. So we were off to a great start. Anyway, I thought I'd take the opportunity really quickly. I'm just looking at the time and I've got time. Because we're day 19 of the fast. I'm just wondering if anyone's got a, a testimony to share of yet, uh, yet. You know, any breakthrough, something that's happened. If you have, come up. I, there's a mic here. Come and share. If you've got a testimony of something that God's done during the fast, come up and share. Whoever. No one. One. Come on. Now, I'm going I'm to preface this. One, apart from the fact the story has to be short for time. It has to be clear. You cannot leave out detail. So you can't say this cousin's brother, sister, the stuff was happening there and then during the fast I prayed for it and it happened. None of us know what the breakthrough was. We want to know what the breakthrough is. Is that cool? Good. Kieran, come. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday night we went to John and Judy's place to pray and um, I've been doing the Daniel fast so I've cut out meat and bread and stuff. I've just been eating vegetables and fruits and nuts. And um, we were sitting there praying for them. And all of a sudden, I could feel this pop, pop in the back right here. And I've had a long-term back injury for years since 2013 when I lifted a patient improperly when I was doing my aged care training. And um, yeah, it was a long-term injury. I went to physios, chiropractors, everything. They said, you just have to manage it for the rest of your life and all of a sudden it just went pop pop and I went home and I was reading my bible after and I'm sitting up in bed thinking there's no pain between my shoulders anymore I'm thinking this is Come weird on. and then Saturday on the markets I went to the markets there's a lot of heavy lifting that normally aggravates it and I'm thinking there's just nothing I get home and 
I was just so relaxed. There was no self-massage that I got to do, just nothing. It was just gone. Come on. And then on Sunday, I was carrying some groceries home. Normally, I get home and there's a little bit of pain there and there was absolutely nothing. So I can now safe to say that God has worked through me and healed me from Come this on. long-term pain that I've been having to deal with for years and years and years, that even doctors said that there was just no hope and I'd have to just keep managing it for the rest of my life, and God has just healed it all Come of on. a sudden. It was That's just awesome. amazing. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> Anyone else? No one else? Yeah, can't help you. I'll only share this today because he's not here. Um, my purpose in doing the fast was to pray for my youngest, who's been struggling a lot um, ever since the start of school, very, very down. My story is a bit different because God doesn't always work in the ways we expect. Yeah. So I started the fast um, on the Wednesday, and on the Wednesday, proverbially, it hit the fan with him, and things came to a massive head. But that's been healing as well because it's now all out in the open. We understand what's going on. He's getting help through counselling. We've been able to put some positive Come things on. in place. And we're moving forward, whereas before we were just marking time. Yeah. So it's yeah. a different way that God has worked. And I always say when you pray, especially when you pray, God, your will, it's not going to be the way you expect that's it. That's right. But it's been healing because it's moving us forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. Anyone else? Anyone? Vic, are you going to share? Well, you shared something at prayer meeting. Yeah, I thought you did. You can keep it for next week. Next week the fast is officially over and we'll open the mic again. Okay. So please be sensitive to what God's doing in you. He may even have shared a revelation with you, yeah? It's not coincidence that you may have received fresh revelation at this particular point juncture in in your life that you're in the middle of your fast that's how god works that's why we do it it's all about becoming more sensitive to him yeah so i i love i love i love these times i haven't gone there enough of late but um even what i want to talk about today it's going to be a bit of a muddle it's what god's been talking to me about over the last couple of weeks as i've been fasting so i've tried to put some of those thoughts in some sort of you know, order that makes sense, and I'll do my best to make sense of it. But considering that this is the year of seeing, let's see how we go, <laughs> yeah, and where we finish up at the end. Is that all right? So let's just quickly pray. Father, have your way during the word, have your way in the message. Father, as I often say, may your words come forth. Lord, things that I've planned to say, Lord, help me to forget them. <laughs> and Lord, things that you want to say, ensure that I speak them. And Father, use me as your servant today that we may all come away, lives changed, rearranged, fashioned and moulded, Lord, more into the image of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about, and I've been talking about over the last few weeks, apart from fasting, about how we see, you know, and some of my thoughts today are going to continue along that, that line about how we see, because... Everything that we're influenced by moulds us, and what moulds us then you know, affects the way that we see. So what we go through in life affects how we look at particular situations. You and I could go through exactly the same thing, and you may have a different perspective uh, of what you're going through because of what you've been through, etc. You know? 
And in life, particularly in Christianity, uh, I believe we often have and often walk through what we call wilderness experiences, you know, dry places, barren places. I think in life, everybody has a wilderness experience, and it's not just a one-time experience. Wilderness experiences can happen. Those seasons can happen at the most unexpected times, you know. And often in a wilderness experience, it's, it's a place where things aren't what we hoped for. <laughs> you know, you've got your dreams, your aspirations, and you get to this wilderness and it's turned upside down. Everything almost looks the opposite, you know. And in fact, when you're in the middle of a wilderness experience, if you're, if you're there too long, you can doubt God's love, you can doubt his goodness, you start to get negative about yourself, you know, it starts to change the way that you see things. It shifts your perspective. And it's normally right in the middle of a wilderness experience that we, you and I, as mere mortals, yeah, that we crumble. We begin to complain. We blame God for it. You know, God, why? Take it away. Help me. Rescue me. Save me. You know. I think we, you know, if we're all to be totally open and honest, all of us have had moments in our life somewhere we've said, God, you need, to, you need to fix this. You need to take this. You need to work something. I actually don't want to be here. But it's right there in the wilderness experience that I actually I want to suggest that Father God is trying to teach us something in the middle of our wilderness experience, in the middle of what we're going through. And I... I might need to repeat this a couple of times this morning, but one of the thoughts that God has impressed on me over the last couple of weeks is this, that not every bad situation we go through is evil. Yeah? Not every bad situation we go through is evil. Not everything bad that happens to us is evil. Not every tough and hard time is the work of the enemy. It's not all evil. You know, it depends on how you see it. Depends on how you see. Depends on who you see. What do I say that? Well, remember Joseph. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. In Genesis, there's a story of Joseph. Joseph, his dad loved him. His brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery. And in Genesis 50, I read then and I'll read again that passage of Scripture that says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. You meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. Yeah. So there was a hard time in his life. This is just a, a, just a passing example, but it was for good. Genesis 45.5 says, But don't be upset, don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. God who sent him. You've got to get that. God who sent him. Yeah. They sold him, but God sent him. You're getting this, right? They sold him, but God sent me. Not every bad situation in your life is evil, okay? Not every hard situation is because of the enemy. Now, how can I suggest that? How can I, how can I put some bones to that? Luke 4.1 was one of our readings um, during the fast. And my apologies, by the way. I realized at the beginning of last week that I had the dates wrong. <laughs> on the daily Bible readings. I started on March the 1st instead of the 6th. 
So when I realised that, I changed it and put the new ones out on the table, but we were already a week and a half, almost two weeks in. So I didn't even realise I made that mistake. I was just going through each day, you know, not even looking at the dates that I'd written. My apologies. Anyway, Luke 4.1 was one of the readings, or Luke 4 was, but it, it starts this way. This is... We often read this because Jesus then, in the wilderness, Jesus goes and he's tempted by the devil. And we know that through knowing the word, every time the enemy came at him, he had an answer. But there's a passage of this scripture that we actually never even look at. I've never heard it preach on. It's not to say that it hasn't. I'm sure it has. But I myself haven't sat in a congregation where I've had this actually preached or taught to me. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, verse 1 says, left the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness now the word spirit the greek word spirit there is pneuma it means wind breath spirit it's actually god's spirit so jesus was led by his father into the wilderness where he was tempted by the enemy but he's a good good father why would a good why would a good dad do that to his son because not every hard time not everything that's Difficult, not everything that's bad is, is evil, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So we've got to understand this. Jesus was led, led into the wilderness by his dad. And after being led there by God, by Abba, that we sang about, he was then tempted by the enemy. So it's not just a wilderness. He's getting temptation from every side. Why would God lead his son into the wilderness? Well, let's, let's help us see how Papa sees. Still in Luke 4, but verses 14 and 15, it reads, And Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. So Jesus returned filled, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. He was already full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, if you read verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And then 13, 14 verses later, it says, He returned, filled now with the Holy Spirit's power. See, after his wilderness experience, he was full of that power. You see, Father God will use our wilderness experiences to make us. And if we don't see how he sees when he's leading us into places that we don't want to be, where we could be tempted, we're going to miss out on the destiny he has for us where he wants to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we'll just live lives as believers, powerless. God living in us, eternity assured not performing a single miracle, not doing anything that's greater than Jesus, as the Bible would suggest that we do, all because we've missed, we've not seen that it's actually this wilderness that I'm hating, this place that I'm in, wasn't just the enemy, wasn't just me making a silly decision, because that could happen in life, but it was my Father God who loves me that led me there for a purpose. Yeah? I love communion this morning because... Unless there's a loss, yeah, there is no gain. There is no resurrection without a death, without a cross. He leads us into the wilderness to make us, not to break us. Sometimes we just haven't realized it's God that's leading, yeah? 
Father God will use the wilderness, our wilderness, to lead us into the, the purpose and destiny that he has for us. It's true that each and every one of us has the Holy Spirit inside of us. It doesn't matter whether you're Anglican or whether you're at some Pentecostal church, Church of Christ. It doesn't matter even if you're Catholic, right? Because I was brought up Catholic, so I figure I can say that. When you say yes to Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's not until after, like him, like the Son of God, where you walk through a wilderness experience that God's using to make you that you're then filled with his power. Yeah? Problem is, most of us hate the wilderness. No one likes dry land. You've got to look at my backyard at the moment. I shared with someone yesterday, you know, I've discovered for the first time why I have no grass in the backyard. Apparently, well, yes, I've got to water it, but apparently leaves are waterproof. I haven't raked for seven or eight years that I've lived there. I'm from the city. Why would I rake leaves? They usually go down the drain. There's no drain in my backyard. So I need a goat. But apart from that, that's me saying I'm still not going to rake them even though I need grass. I could pay for a landscaper to come. He'll make it look beautiful. Grass will grow and then leaves will fall and grass will die. So... No one likes a wilderness. No one likes dry, parched land. No one likes going through stuff in life that makes our dreams look upside down, turned around. No one, no one enjoys those seasons because those seasons are, can be really tough. For Jesus to be fasting, he was seeking power from his Father to get through the temptations that he was facing. Yeah, I'm sure that the Son of God in the same way that he said, take this cup from me in relation to the cross, wasn't keen on going on a 40-day fast in the middle of a desert. Yeah, We hate it. It's hard. It's dry. It can seem hopeless. And I, I believe the word for us is that some of us can get trapped here. It can, that wilderness that we're supposed to be walking through that he leads us into can become a prison to us. And then it, when we're stuck there, it changes the way that we see. So we can't see what God's doing. We can't hear what he's saying. Look at Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we won't, I won't read it. It's just too long. But Elijah goes into battle against the prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Baal, yeah, a false god. And, and he's, he's pretty cocky. You know? Elijah is a pretty confident dude. And he says to the 400 prophets, you go first. You choose a bull. You go first. You get your god to burn up the sacrifice. And so he allows them to have a go at that all day. All day they're praying to their God, come on, burn it up. You know, nothing happens. And if you read the scripture, he taunts them. Actually, he'd be a really cool guy to talk to because he's a smart aleck, you know. He's a smart A. He's, he's pro oh, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he didn't hear you. Maybe you should try to wake him up, you know. Like, he's trying to get, get them to do, and they can't. In the end, he goes, have you had enough? You, you done? Okay, let me have a go now, yeah? So he gets the bull, he cuts it up in pieces, puts it on the altar. Then he goes, hmm, that's too easy. He gets a shovel, he starts digging a bit of a trench around the altar. Then he gets water, and you've got to remember, it hasn't rained for three years. Where do you even get water? And he pours water all over the sacrifice that it fills up the trenches, and he says to God, okay, do your thing. And God goes, Woof, fire, Yeah? Burns everything, licks up the water, does everything. So impressive was God when Elijah spoke to him that they killed the 400 prophets of Baal. 
This was a moment in time where God was glorified and made great, yeah? But the queen, <laughs> who'd heard what he had done, wasn't happy. She wasn't happy at all that Elijah had performed so well and that her 400 prophets had been killed. So she sends word and says, listen, buddy, I know you spoke to the king and I know rain's coming and I know all that's happening, but I'm gonna, by the end of the day, I'm going to kill you. In the same way you kill the prophets, I'm, I'm going to kill you. Now, he's just had the most glorious victory ever and he's fearful and he runs. 1 Kings 19, 1-2 says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So he gets scared and he runs. Fair call if someone threatened my life, even after something miraculous. You know, you pray for someone, they get out of a wheelchair, and the next day you get a call, and I get a call at home that says, Listen, dude, we're coming to kill you. I reckon I'd probably ask if I could sleep at one of your homes. You know, I think I'd run too, yeah? Someone else. <laughs> yep, yeah, I'll just see who my friends are. And he runs into, the scripture says he runs into the wilderness, yeah? And after only one day, one day in the wilderness, and many of us have been in our wilderness for much longer than that, after only one day, the way that he sees is totally different. Verses 3 and 4 of 1 Kings 19 read, Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Verse 4, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, yeah, he came to a broom bush, sat under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it and prayed that he might die. That's sh what a shift. What a shift in the way that he sees. One minute, 400 prophets of Baal. I don't even have to wake my God up. I could ask him in any minute. In fact, I'll make it a bit of a, you know, I'll show off now. He gets one word, runs into the wilderness and one day into the wilderness. The way that he sees has shifted. It's changed. One day into his wilderness and he's suicidal. And some of us have been in our wilderness longer than one day. One day in the wilderness and everything that Father God had done in him and through him is totally forgotten. One day and he's lost all hope. One day in his wilderness. And if we're honest, yeah, there are days when we're going through our stuff, our wilderness, and I'm not even talking about our man-made, stupid decision wildernesses. I'm talking about God-led, like he led Jesus into the wilderness. We could spend more than one day there, and there's some days where our thinking, and I'm not saying suicidal, like we all want to kill ourselves, but we all, in those moments, have had enough, have had totally enough. Our wilderness can change how we see. Yeah? But our God's never changing. He's always loving. He's always faithful. And I love this because I'll share it. You know, there's the lyrics of the song, Though the seasons change, your love remains. 
But there's other lyrics to another song that we sang this morning. Great is your faithfulness. You have never failed me yet. He never changes. Even when he leads us into a wilderness that he's using to make us and not to break us, though we don't see it right and we're struggling and we hate it, his love for you hasn't changed. Not everything hard, not everything bad that we go through is evil. Yeah. The Bible's clear that, see, this is why it's important to see how he sees, because the Bible's really clear that he's not going to let us go through what we can't handle, yeah? what we can't bear, the scripture says. 1 Corinthians 1.13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. It doesn't say maybe, doesn't say if you're on your good behavior, it just says and God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, yeah, Jesus was tempted. Jesus was led into a wilderness where he was tempted by his father. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Yeah? He will provide the way out. Have we possibly misjudged some of the seasons that we've been in, walking through, are in? Have we misjudged some of the wildernesses that we've walked through? Complaining, whinging, whining, asking for deliverance when it was God that possibly led us there? See, leading us into our wilderness, leading us into a place where we're tempted, for God, who's never changing, who's always loving, is never, never about breaking us. It's always about making us. In the same way that parents, we discipline our children. And if you ask my son, there are some times that I'm just too hard. But it's never about breaking him. It's always, always, always about making him all he can be. Yeah? And we're created in what? The image of the living God. Why would he be any different? You know, I, there's all sorts of theology around at the moment that when you read the book of Job... You know, Job's not really a true person. It's just poetic because a good God can't do that stuff. What a load of crud. Seriously, what a load of rubbish that is. If that was true, then they wouldn't use Job as an example in other scriptures in the Old and the New Testament. He's real. But not everything hard, not everything bad that we go through is evil. Sometimes it's to make us, not to break us, even when we don't understand it, yeah? God's plan's always good. Maybe we just haven't seen how he sees, haven't seen what he has in store for us. He's always good. But why would a good God lead us at times into a wilderness? Because the who is always greater than the why. Yeah? The who is always greater than the why. In a wilderness, you have no choice but to focus on our Father. You have no choice but to focus on Jesus. No choice. Ross said it well this morning, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Not everything bad is evil. And maybe what we consider to be bad is actually good if we could see the outcome. Yeah? See what he had intended. See what he had purpose. See what he had in store. That's why he says, I love this, at the end of verse 13 of that passage of Scripture before, but when you attempt it, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. If you're in a wilderness, in a place that you'll be tempted, one that he leads you into, 
He'll provide a way out. He will provide a way out. He will never lead, leave you there if he led you there. You've got to get that. He will never leave you there if he led you there. Yeah, Because he leads us in so that he can lead us out. Yeah, He leads us in so he can lead us out. You know, Papa leads us into our wilderness so we can trust him. Isaiah 43, 19. We looked at this scripture a month ago. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Don't you see it? We know that passage of scripture. You know, we, we know that. I talked about that. I love that part. But I love the next part. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. The very God that leads you into a wilderness where you'll be tempted so that you can go in full of the Holy Spirit but come out filled with his power that he's using to make you not break you will actually make a path for you through it. Yeah. Where does he make the path? Smack in the middle of our wilderness. Smack in the middle of it. The wilderness that he led us into, he was never going to leave us there. He was just going to grow us there. yeah. But some of us have stayed there too long. Some of us have stayed there too long. Sometimes you need to come out. You can have trees and flowers that grow and blossom, but every once in a while, you, know, you need to move them from where they're at because where they have been their whole life is no longer beneficial. It's no longer nutritious. The rose plant used to grow there, but it's not anymore. It needs to be over there. The soil's better for it now. You're not always supposed to stay in the wilderness. He led you there to make you, not to break you, to grow you. Sometimes you've got to find and see and discover the path that he's created in the middle of it so you can walk out. See, when we grow, when we receive the blessing that only comes from walking through a wilderness... Yeah, there's so much. There's so much to God that He has a blessing for us over and over and over. To think that He has anything greater than our salvation already is already mind-boggling. But He has blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Our salvation's secure. We're going home to the Father. Our eternity is fixed. We're citizens of heaven, ambassadors of God. But sometimes we miss out all that He has for us because we don't walk into the places that He wants us to go. Yeah. When we grow and we receive the blessing that only comes from a wilderness experience, he uses that to bless others. You know, Second Corinthians, this is another one of the thoughts that God has been sharing with me over the last couple of weeks. In chapter 1 of Second Corinthians, verses 5 and 7, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are, that's you and me, if we are distressed... It is for your comfort and salvation. Right? If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Can others actually share in your sufferings? Can they actually feel your pain, your anguish? Will they know your agony, your struggle, your, the strife that you go through? No, no one's fully going to understand what you've been through. 
But when you're led into a wilderness experience by God and you actually walk with him and allow him to lead you out in that place of dry barrenness that you've not liked, when you allow him to do a work in you and you come out full of the Holy Spirit, you now have a testimony that will be a blessing to others and they will now share in your sufferings. That's how it works. You know, they don't go through the same identical sufferings and that's like, woohoo, brothers, yeah, we're brothers in art. It's not how it works. To be a blessing means that you're a blessing. They share in your suffering when you actually allow God to do what he wants to do in you. They become the beneficiaries of everything, amen? He gives us a way out. He chooses the way out. I love that. Not us. He makes a path in the wilderness. He makes the path. We don't make it. We don't escape from it. He leads us in and he'll make a path to lead us out. I reckon that's pretty encouraging. He creates a path when we walk on his pathway, his exit strategy. We then share that journey with others that others need to know. They need to hear. It builds a new level of foundation of faith so they know they can go through it because you've been through it. They're blessed by it. They share in your sufferings. And maybe where some of us find ourselves right now today was God's leading. Maybe. It depends on how you see. Too many of us have complained about wilderness experiences that we've been led into by God. It wasn't our fault. It wasn't the enemy. God led us there. And I think some of us really, if to be honest, we need to repent of that. We need to repent about being people that are whining and whinging about where he sent us. If Christ is our example and we're going to share in his sufferings, the fact that he led his son into a wilderness to be tempted, why would it be any different for us? He wants to use that to make you, not to break you. We just have to read it right. There's so much stuff out there in Christendom now that talks about how good God is, and he is. He's all good. He's all love. But he's so good that nothing bad can be of God. But not everything bad is evil. That's a wrong theology. God is still holy and he's still just and he's still all loving and he still leads us to places to grow us and to make us same way that we do with our children. You know, I can't say I know the mind of God entirely or what he's up to. I don't think any of us can, but I know this. There are some experiences that he leads us into so that he makes us better when we come out. Yeah? When, doesn't he... Aren't we formed into the image of his, his son with ever-increasing glory? Yeah, Every day, every prune, every cut, every shape, every mould. You know, I said it a little bit earlier, but some of us have been in our wilderness too long. Some of us are trapped here and we feel stuck here. We've become prisoners here. And unfortunately, a prison perspective yeah, can rob us of our destiny. You know, when you're trying to look through prison to see what's going on out there, your perspective will change. You know, we know about Elijah running after that victory, but what about John the Baptist? He's a man who knows Jesus. He's a man that baptized Jesus. You know, John was the one that spoke in John three thirty. He must become greater, and I must become less. He heard the Father speak. Life-changing words. You could have no better encounter. Imagine being the one that dunked Jesus and then the clouds open up and dove falls and it speaks. Imagine that. That's not a bad encounter with a living God, yeah? But then you fast forward 
And now John the Baptist is in prison. And it says in Matthew 11, chapter, um, chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? A prison perspective yeah, can rob you of your destiny. It changes what you see. He knew who Jesus was and now all of a sudden he's unsure of who Jesus is. When we're in our wilderness for too long, it will change how you see. You've got to get out. He's making a path in that wilderness. You've got to get out. Can't believe that he went from someone who knew and trusted to someone who was unsure. Ever been there? There are times in our walks when our wilderness experiences places that Father has led us where we're tempted that we begin to challenge and doubt who Jesus is. We begin to struggle in our faith because we can't get out. But the wilderness is not supposed to break you. It's supposed to make you. So I'm going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to open the altar to all those that actually feel trapped in their wilderness. Yeah? To all those that feel like they're stuck, that they're prisoners to what's happening around them. And I want to pray for those of us too that have missed what Father God's doing in our lives. And we've just complained because we didn't like where we were. But the whole season was to make us better than what we are. And I want to pray for that. You know, maybe that's why Paul was able to learn to be content with little and with much. Maybe he knew some of his wilderness experiences, you know, were actually being led by the Lord. Why don't we stand for a moment? Ross, can I have the team and that third song that we sang? I love my water bottle. It belonged to my son. He bought it from 7-Eleven. And then my, one of our dogs chewed the end of it, so he never wanted it anymore. So I've got it. See? Yeah, the third song. When Jesus was crucified, the disciples were not ready for that. Yeah, I need to share this for somebody. I know that because if they knew he was, he was going to actually raise from the dead, if they were certain in their heart, I think you and me, I think we would be at the tomb. I think we would have been waiting for Jesus. But they weren't waiting, they were hiding. They were in an upper room with doors locked, windows locked. They were fearing of, for their lives. They didn't want the Jews to find them. They were scared that they were going to die. It wasn't a healthy place for them. Yeah, I don't think they really believed he was going to get up out of the grave. But then suddenly, in the midst of their fear, hiding in a room with locked doors so that no one could get in, Jesus appears. John 20, 19. Listen to this. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. With doors locked to keep them in, Jesus appears. It doesn't say anywhere in the passage of Scripture that he walked through the door. It doesn't say anywhere in the passage of Scripture that he climbed through a window. He just appeared. They were locked in a room. They were prisoners of sorts because of fear. It was a wilderness experience for them and they didn't even realise it, yeah? 
And this morning, you might feel trapped in the wilderness. You may have been there for years and you can't see a way out this morning, I want to say. Even though the doors are locked and the windows closed and you can't get out, Jesus can still get in. Yeah? This morning, Jesus wants to break into some of the wilderness experiences that some of us have been in too long. We need to shift our thinking to see what he sees, but someone needs to know that there's actually a path in their wilderness. Yeah, this is a word for someone in the house today because God has just been wrecking me over it over the last two weeks. You might not be able to get out where you find yourself in right now, but he still can get in and he wants to get in. He wants to get in. So we're going to sing this song, but the altar's open. We need to break some stuff in our lives so we can live in the freedom that He purposed for us. Because your wilderness is not to break you, it's to make you. Your wilderness isn't to crush you, it's to grow you. And He wants to get into that for you, yeah? For you. Because then others will share in your sufferings in Jesus' name. If that's you this morning while we're singing, come forward. And if that's not you, let's just pray with those that know they need a touch from heaven. Amen.